What's up, everybody? I'm Jason Weisenberg. And I'm Michael Weisenberg. Welcome to Weisland. Thank you guys for, for stopping by. If you are seeing us, that means you're watching on YouTube. If you are not, you are listening, and that means you are on one of many platforms that you can find our podcast on. So thank you guys so much for coming in, checking us out every week. But yeah, crazy couple weekend. We had that final four, and of course, we had the, the finals, that game that we were waiting for for a very, very long time. <laughs> Yes, and it was rather anticlimactic. I'm oh, saying oh. so. <laughs> Very disappointing game as far as like what we would have liked to have seen, but obviously it kind of continues this trend of uh, undefeated teams not being undefeated once <laughs> once leaving that. Continues the trend of defeated teams. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Kind of a kind of yeah. Sad. Like like Baylor really didn't kind of had their way in the final four. Gonzaga went down to the wire with UCLA and probably the best game of the tournament, honestly, like as far as like excitement. Yeah. Well, part of my prediction was right. I did predict they were both going to house their opponents. Um, Baylor definitely did that with Houston. Houston like put up a, a little bit of a fight, but not much. And then UCLA was just hitting on all cylinders Johnny Juzang continuing continuing his hot shooting. Jaime Jaquez, uh, Cody Riley, and Tiger Campbell all really stepping up and making some big shots. And uh, yeah, Jalen Suggs just saving Gonzaga's bacon, really. Um, yeah, that was such a plus, Drew Timmy played fantastic in that game against UCLA. With four, with four fouls for an extreme amount of time. And yeah. UCLA was like sort of not doing their best job of like, Taking it, you know, bringing that action to him, but like Mark yeah. did a couple offense, defense, you know, subs to like pull him out. But yeah, he's... the other guy I really loved in that UCLA game, and I've actually just liked him for Gonzaga the past couple of years is Joel Ayayi. And uh, yeah, I thought he played a fantastic game. And yeah, I, I felt like Gonzaga matched up pretty well with Baylor. Baylor had, you know, at least like some depth. Yeah, I think, I think it was like a shining point for Baylor was really like how deep their team was. Yeah, but then the other thing was, and I guess this was like slightly unexpected, though Gonzaga didn't seem to have like the plethora of shooters that Baylor had. But, they, you know, like Corey Kispert had been so deadly throughout the year. He wasn't his usual self there. Um, yeah, and um, then, yeah, like – even, even with Jalen Suggs getting into foul trouble. And then I feel like Jalen Suggs had, like, still a, a really great game. I think, like, second, um, second half for him, like, first half, like, a little turnovers. But I think that was Gonzaga as a whole. But, like, second half, he was, pretty, yeah, pretty pretty outstanding. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought he had a, a quite a good game. Um, but, yeah, they, they really struggled to create. They didn't shoot as well as they could have. They didn't play great defense. That was the other thing, for sure. Um, and Baylor was fantastic. Like, I, I just thought – um, well, Jared Butler, obviously most outstanding player, Davon Mitchell, um, like they made their, they kind of set the tone by getting that early lead, making their first five, three pointers, and then ending up shooting like, uh, over 43.5%. Oh, uh, yeah. Like Gonzaga was really what was saving Gonzaga in the first half was getting to the free throw line all the times they did to only be down 10. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, Baylor just forced tons of turnovers. They out-rebounded them. They, they were definitely the better team. And, uh, yeah, and the best team. Well, and Baylor fought exceptionally well. <laughs> what were you saying? 
they were shot exceptionally well, especially that at the beginning, and that's what like yeah. got got that lead out. But yeah, it was tough. Um, tough for the Zags. I mean, they never really got within that single digit kind of. No, it was uh, yeah. Baylor every time Gonzaga looked like they were coming back, Baylor would hit some shots or uh, you know get some stops. So yeah, it was uh, definitely a great job by Scott Drew and the the group there. Um, but yeah, let's uh, lead into as we promised. Weird. It's fifteen through thirty of our Viseland, I guess now post March Madness mock draft. But yeah, we're just uh, doing a, a little update to our, what we think the NBA is thinking at this very moment. Um, this isn't exactly like my big board or anything like that, and I'll point out some of, of the factors there. But um, yeah, we. Um, did uh, one through 14 and uh, did a, a simulation through tankathon of the, um, I, I guess, lottery there. And uh, we are doing 15 through 30. So just the, the rest of the teams, we had that order um, from the last time we did it. And uh, let me just go over quickly. First off, if you want to find out more about the lottery prospects that I listed last week, definitely listen to last week's episode. Uh, but yeah, let's just go over quickly one through 14 of our, our first part of the mock draft. And we had number one pick Cade Cunningham out of Oklahoma state to the Houston Rockets. Number two, Evan Mobley out of USC to the Oklahoma city thunder. Number three, Jalen Suggs out of Gonzaga to the Orlando magic Jalen green, number four to the G league ignite out of the G league ignite to the Toronto Raptors. Number five, we had Jonathan Kaminga, G League Ignite, Golden State Warriors. Number six, Keon Johnson, Tennessee, Detroit Pistons. Number seven, Franz Wagner, Michigan to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Number eight, Moses Moody, Arkansas to the Washington Wizards. Number nine, Scotty Barnes, Florida State to the Orlando Magic. Number 10, Jaden Springer, Tennessee to the New Orleans Pelicans. Number 11, Corey Kispert, Gonzaga to to the Indiana Pacers, number 12, Kai Jones at Texas to the Sacramento Kings, number 13, Zaire Williams at Stanford to the Golden State Warriors, and number 14, Jalen Johnson out of Duke to the Memphis Grizzlies. And that was our lottery. Now let's get into outside the lottery where we will hit on some players I don't believe we have talked about in great detail, detail before. No, there's definitely, definitely some, yeah, definitely some new names we're, we're bringing bringing up that we haven't really discussed but yeah coming in number 15 Atlanta Hawks what direction would you see them going yeah at number 15 I have Atlanta taking Trey Man, and this is a player I, I feel is just likely to um be, be I, I feel around this range like I, I think for the most part he had kind of a uh, less than inspiring freshman year, and th this offseason, like they started listing him at six foot five, and he came into college at like six two, six three, so he literally grew, and I think it it made some really nice changes to his game. Um, was great in the pick and roll this year, and has always been just one of those players that has a, a really quick release, uh, really good passer as well, some ball skills. Just a, another player that could, could stretch the floor and then, um, you know, do some good things on and off ball for Atlanta with, uh, you know, Trey Young. And I, I think they're, they're looking for a, 
I, I think to add to that guard core with the Hawks, they took a big man last draft. They're likely in the process of re-signing John Collins. They have Danilo Gallinari. Um, they have that plethora of wing players. Um, so, yeah, I, I could see them taking a guard, and I, I like Trey Man here. Nice. Yeah, he shot. He shot like forty percent this year on a, on a on a pretty you know decent decent sample size too. And I think for Trey Young, yeah, it's just guys like he can spread the floor with, so he can like drive and drive and kick out. Sixteen, we have the Boston Celtics, a team that usually has a pretty good stockpile of picks, but this this year not not as many. Just coming with the just the one pick in the first round as of this recording. Where do we see them going? I took James Booknight. He's a player I know who many have quite a bit higher, and he still has, I, I think, that that range of possibly being the lottery, possibly being in the mid-first round. Um, really good athlete, you know, just is a guy who could score in a number of different ways. Still struggled a bit as a shooter, but, yeah, just had some really great flashes and, and moments. Um, really great at, you know, like uh, creating off of the dribble and uh, getting to the basket. He has really good body control. So yeah, I, I could see Boston looking for maybe like that scoring punch as well. And uh, they've done such a good job kind of working with guys on their shooting. Um, so yeah, he's somebody I, I could just see Boston possibly uh, wanting to add depth there as well. Yeah, I think like they, they have a, an interesting backcourt in Boston too. So we don't know how much like Marcus Smart. It's not really true point guard, Kemba. So it'd be, it'd be interesting to see like how they 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 figure out that rotation because hopefully Peyton Pritchard gets playing time as the years go by here. But obviously that might not necessarily be the case if you keep bringing in more guards. Well, they, they do play different positions. Like I don't see James Booknight really being a point guard at all. And uh, yeah, while, while Peyton has been playing off ball quite a bit, um, yeah, I, I see them being at least slightly different there, Jace. So I, I don't think it would be like a tremendous worry okay. for Peyton Pritchard's minutes. You know, I just, I just, I just wanted to get every minute he deserves. Don't want yeah. people coming in, in the way of that. But yeah, no, Boston is definitely a team that's got, you know, obviously not meeting expectations for this, this season, for how they felt. So definitely they need someone that's going to give them a little bit. Of, a little bit of a boost. Told you not to have them that high, man. You know, I did earlier. That was that was <laughs> that was something that I did. I will admit that I was wrong. It would be the first and possibly last time, but yeah. That's all good. <laughs> no I, I have them too high also. And then coming in at number 17, we got yes. Miami Heat. Still, still pretty hot, hot firing team. Who do you see, see them taking off the board? Yeah, I have them drafting Josh Giddy, who is playing for the Adelaide 76ers or 76ers. 76ers. Adelaide 36ers in uh, the NBL in Australia. Um, yes, Josh Giddy is a player who it seems like is kind of um, a draft Twitter favorite at the very least. And I, I think he is another player I've heard possibly flown in around the lottery. Um, done really well this year with the 36ers, um, getting a lot of playing time. 
he is a fantastic passer and like at six foot nine, he has lead guard skills and a, like just a great feel for the game, great court sense, can put the ball on the floor. Um, is a guy who sees things happen like, a, you know, a couple plays ahead. And um, the shooting is a, a bit of a concern. He's done a lot better there over the last little while, but still like, you know, not the best three-point shooter um, and free throw shooter as well. Um, his like athleticism, I, I think, is another thing that people will point out. He's not like the most fleet of foot, but he really knows how to play the game. He just has a, a tremendous skill set. Um, his agent announced today that he measured in at six foot nine with shoes. Uh, I, I think he was right around there. Like he was, I think six foot seven and a half or, or so at the NBA global Academy games uh, a couple years ago with like uh, chalk wingspan, but that's still a fantastic size for a guard and even a wing. So yeah, Josh Giddy is somebody that I think is, is going to have a lot of teams quite interested in uh, just somebody who can uh, be a, a great on-ball player and make some fantastic decisions. Um, and if you have some shooters, he could really open the floor for you. Also, the young one of the younger players in the draft is still eighteen, and he'll be eighteen at the at the time of the at the time of the draft, October birthday. And also, he's the yeah. first person since Ben Simmons, I think, in twenty thirteen, to play for the senior national, like the youngest player since Ben Simmons to play for the senior national team. For Australia, so you know, bring bring some good some good accolades there. Moving along, we got number eighteen. We got the New York Knicks, and obviously, these are always the most important picks of the drafts because who are Knicks fans? Either going to very much love or very much hate. Yeah, we we never know. <laughs> so yeah, that's why it's a pivotal it's a pivotal pick because there's a lot of a lot of stakes behind it. But yeah, yeah. the Knicks have another they have another first round pick, so they have two chances to either get it right or get it very wrong. They they go either hot or cold. Yeah, I, and I, I think with Knicks, you'll see that a lot may depend on um, whose agent is the player has or, or something along those lines. But they did a really good job drafting Emmanuel quickly last year, um, even though that pick was universally panned I've, i felt or i shouldn't say universally panned but it many felt it, it was a, a kind of an overdraft and they've looked very wrong so far us included um but yeah i will say that a player that i when i went on uh the locked on draft pod with uh rafael barlow that i talked about is really improving his stock is davion mitchell and i have the knicks taking him um just to I, I feel like most of their point guards are kind of like likely to be there for a pretty short period of time. So I could still see them looking for uh, somebody there. Davion just has that blow by speed, really good defender. Um, and he really, really worked on his game and just improved a great deal as a shooter. What I will say is I'm still not, completely sold on him being like this lottery pick that seems to be thrown around so far. Um, I, I'm a little worried about the, the fact that first of all, first of all, oh, first of all, his age, he, he is a little bit older. Um, and he is also a 65.2% free throw shooter, which I, I don't think is the most 
positive indicator for his like rapidly improving shooting. But yeah, he had a fantastic year. The Donovan Mitchell comparisons are completely ridiculous. And because his last name is Mitchell and his first name is Davion. And um, they have seven inches different in wingspan. But um, yeah, certainly was a great college basketball player. And I think has some real NBA skills, really improved as a playmaker. Um, And yeah, as we saw, like, you know, could do some really good things off of the, the dribble. And did shoot really well off of the bounce and off of the catch this year. So, yeah, like I, I think teams are, are likely going to back, bank on that, bank on the work ethic and how much he's improved. But, yeah, just a, a few factors I, I wanted to throw in is uh, reasons why maybe I'm not as high on – I don't feel like Damian Mitchell is a guy who, like, played himself into, like, the top half of the lottery or anything like that. Yeah, when we talked about it a little last week, it's hard to, you know, really take the tournament and be like, oh, now all of a sudden this person's at this level. Yeah. Whether they kind of were, but you know, yeah, he's but a, he, he was great throughout the year too. He was. Yeah. No, definitely. And like since he moved, he started at Auburn, but since he moved, you know, to the Big 12 for his two seasons there, two-time all Big 12, two-time all Big 12 defense. He was Big 12 defensive player of the year. So definitely a lot of positive attributes there, but definitely like shooting becomes, you know, very much a bit of a red flag, especially from you know a point from a point guard but you do you think like there is any potential that you know there is something that is going to reach at the lottery oh i, I think it's certainly possible yeah like i this is all subject to change no no of so, course of course yeah I, I i i could see it i could see it happening and there's like a reason they have him this is pretty high like 18 is a pretty high pick so yeah like he certainly has that a pretty wide range right now. I feel like from, I, I would say like, you know, 10 on. Um, yeah. I like, I, I'm guessing somewhere in the, the 10 to 20 range, I, I would guess right now. Nice. Well, awesome. You played, you played really super, super well in the tournament. Then coming up number 19, Charlotte Hornets. They have LaMelo. Yes. Things can be happening now. Where do you think they go to kind of, continue to build this, this, their core. Yeah. I have them taking Usman Garuba. Um, I think he would just be kind of a, an interesting big. And I, I know that they're still kind of looking for that center of the future. Uh, so maybe it's not Usman, but Usman, I think is likely going to be like a small ball five. And he's just really intriguing in terms of his defensive versatility. That's always been the biggest thing with him. He's about six foot eight with like a seven foot two wingspan, but just a terrific mobility as well. Um, offensively, that, that's where he, he's kind of stagnated. But the past couple of years, he's been playing bench minutes for Real Madrid, one of the best teams in the ACB and, uh, you know, obviously gaining some experience in the Euro League as well. Um, but yeah, not like, uh, the most polished scorer, um, basically just, uh, gets a lot of, you know, like offensive rebound baskets and, uh, what would kind of be one of those guys in transition that you like, um, also, uh, real like good in the short role as a passer as well. Uh, but yeah, Uzman, I, I think is somebody who is still going to be, uh, at least intriguing due to the fact that he's been playing uh, high level basketball for um, quite a while. And um, like in youth levels, he was fantastic. 
Um, just I, I think somebody that teams will will likely be willing to bet on in like the mid to late first round. And do you think he's one of the? Do you think he would come straight over, or do you feel like this would be kind of a? Yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure what his buyout situation is, but I, I'm guessing he would likely come over as soon as possible. And yeah, nineteen, you know, nineteen, so super, still super young, and as they always say, like ACB is that next league after the, you know, under the NBA as far as the best leagues. And I feel like a lot of times the statistics can be a little confusing because some of the guys don't get a lot of playing time just due to like all sorts of, you know, sometimes there's domestic league, you know, rules and things like that. So it's like, I never judge it by like, just looking at He actually plays for Spain though. So yeah, he, um, yeah, like I, I think he's been in Spain most of his life. Um, so yeah, I don't think that necessarily applies to him, but he, um, it still just seems to be, you know, kind of working on on what he does best on offense. Nice. Well, hopefully, you know, hopefully, yeah, he can come over and kind of continue to improve upon that. But yeah, he's the first European guy that we've had going so far. Giddy yeah. was the first international. So yeah, it was kind of interesting. We didn't have a lottery with any like true international players that like aren't part of NCAA. Jonathan Kaminga. <laughs> but you know, going, to the, going to the G League, so he's not coming from, you know, like the Fair international place. Well, Kai Jones is from Bahamas. But again, going to Texas. Wagner, you know, Franz Wagner is from Germany. But, you know, like. Let's split hairs, why don't we? <laughs> I'm, splitting, I'm splitting anything I, I, I can at, at this <laughs> at this point. Number 20, we got the San Antonio Spurs, a team that's in, you know, kind of a transition period you know kind of figuring out what their new identity is going to be moving forward but you know they're a team that knows how to draft has developed they have done quite well in a good amount of players yeah um i liked who they drafted last year with devin vassell and uh i know trey jones looked really good in the the g league as well i have them taking alperin shangun uh he is from besiktas I hope I'm not butchering either of those names. I did try and look up his name to make sure I was pronouncing it correctly. Um, but yeah, he has been just on an absolute tear this season in uh, the Turkish Basketball League. And he, I believe, is averaging like in the neighborhood of like almost 20 and 10. And uh, yeah, like 19.7, 9.1. Um, good passer as well. And like create some events on, on defense too. Is like been a, a good rim protector. Most of his work is like either um, as like a, a role man or in the post. Uh, so he's he's kind of like a, a true center. He's six foot nine or six foot ten with like a seven foot or so wingspan. Um, so not like ideal size for an NBA center. He doesn't really do much from outside right now. Um, but yeah, like he, he has some ball skills. He really knows how to play. And, um, I, I certainly think like he's somebody that I've heard could be a possible impossible lottery contention just because he's strong. He really knows how to play. And, uh, he's been putting up results in a really good league in Turkey this year. Yeah, and he's eight, he's eighteen. He'll he'll be like a, what day the draft is like the twenty sixth. I think his birthday's like July. 20th. I, I think the draft is July 29th. Yeah, his his birthday's July twenty fifth. So he's like he's right. He's gonna be yeah. like nineteen, but like right before. But he has already said that he 
is not down for being a drafting stash. He wants to go there and develop as soon as possible. So yeah, I, I feel like he would be somebody that would come over. He's just wrecking the Turkish league right now. Yeah, that's a pretty, pretty, pretty solid, solid league. And you feel like he's like a true center, or is he gonna be someone who's like a little four or five or right? Like he certainly plays like a true center. So yeah, I have a a hard time believing that he is going to be playing much for. And uh, yeah, I, I feel like in San whoever drafts him likely has the vision of him playing quite a bit of center. And um, yeah, he's certainly like his skill set just works for the five. And I, I'm guessing he has enough size and enough skill to at least uh, be feasible um, being a, a five in the NBA. Yeah, build, build, build around him and you know this new this new look San Antonio because yeah it's definitely gonna be you know a very different team. Not sure you're building around the 20th pick, but yeah, <laughs> no, but like you know like as for, like throwing him into the core of like what San Antonio is gonna, gonna yeah. be. Yeah, like you don't obviously no one shoots to have the 20th pick to like rebuild a franchise. But number 21, we have the New York Knickerbockers again. This pick yes. is coming to them from Dallas. Yeah. And I, I still don't really know what their center situation is, is going to be. Um, Mitch, Mitchell Robinson has always been kind of viewed as the future there. Um, and he still could be. But, uh, yeah, I, I just have them taking – and obviously the Knicks could trade the pick. Who knows? Like, we're, we're just given a, a general idea of uh, some possibilities here. But somebody who, who clearly has some of the strengths that Mitchell Robinson has – is an Isaiah Jackson out of Kentucky and uh, just a, a fantastic athlete. He was measured, I believe, at like a seven, two and a half or so wingspan. He's um, two and a half blocks a game. So, you know, he's. Yeah. Well, he's, he had some fantastic rim protection moments in Kentucky. Um, yeah. That, that's why he strives on blocking rebounding and he is a lob threat. Um, I want to just say here and I think this is, I'm going to say this is the Viseland stance. Can we stop saying vertical lob threat? When we say lob threat, the vertical is implied. There is like, there's no horizontal lob threat. I mean, it's a, it's a, a, a phrase that I feel is being used by, I don't want to attack any individual. It's being used by so many different people and just say lob threat. Uh, what about taco fall that's pretty horizontal i mean there's not going up and getting it like it's it's pretty on a level no he's a like yeah but he's raising his arms vertically in the air let's be real how many times has taco uh scored now you it, it's not happening hey at, at the, <laughs> this this episode recorded april 6 2021 he did take it to joel tonight he scored a basket but, but was it an, on an alley-oop? It was not. It was a. But exactly. It was, it was very horizontally threatening to Joe. <laughs> much love to Taco. He's one of his uh, champs. How much did uh, Philadelphia win that game by? <laughs> yeah, I think Joel's done all right for himself. Other than that, <laughs> true enough. But yeah, so he's a lob threat. He's also really good, like off the ball. He, he's a really good cutter. Um, so yeah, like. I, I just think with his athleticism, I, I've always kind of worried about him a bit and just in terms of uh, decision-making, um, ball skills, like shooting, half-court offense. But yeah, he, he's somebody who just obviously 
Oh, and just in terms of strength as well, he's somebody that you obviously are hoping to get into NBA weight program. But yeah, so the athleticism has always been something that that's really stood out with him. Um, just kind of explodes off the floor and has great instincts um, as a rim protector. So yeah, he, he's I like another player with a pretty wide draft range, and you know you hear lottery rumblings with him. But I've said that about about. I guess uh, 21 people up to this point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's um, yeah. They, somebody has to drop. And I, I would think if he was at 21, like that would be absolutely fine. Yeah. It's, it's still a lot of time between, between now and, and the draft. Now we're getting, you know, now the college basketball is officially over. Now we're going to get kind of that more workouts, more agent kind of hypothesizing of, of guys, but yeah, it Think about Calipari is, you know, Kentucky had a pretty whatever season, but he gets people and he gets them ready for the NBA. So that's that's what it's about, regardless of Kentucky record or not. So he's going to send some guys to the league regardless. Coming at number 22, we got the Portland Trailblazers saying, nah, we're good. We don't need any picks because we are already a perfect team. They're giving this one to the Houston Rockets. What direction are they going well, they did get Robert Covington in return for this pick, so no, no, a thousand percent worth it. We'll see. That we'll see. We still, we still have time. I like those like um, thus far, but, but yeah, yeah. I, I have the the Rockets taking uh, Roko Pukacin, uh from Sabona Zagreb. He would be the youngest player in the draft, and he's kind of like a just somebody who does a little bit of everything. Um, he is six foot nine, um, definitely can improve as a shooter, but seems to at least be showing some promise there. Um, this year, he's a, a pretty good defender as well, like a, a pretty solid athlete. Um, yeah, just a, I, I would say kind of like a, a jack of all trades, not, not really like a master of none, I guess, uh, to use that uh, kind of... Uh, colloquialism but uh yeah he is just somebody i i think you could kind of build around build on already has like a, a pretty good body considering his age um but yeah he, he's born november 26 2002 so he, he would be i think the youngest draftable player this year um or like the youngest player drafted likely that i've heard and um yeah like a, a pretty good rebounder as well so he is just somebody that I, I think um, teams are, are going to um, be sort of interested in and also somebody that you're, you're probably going to bring around pretty slowly, but could pay off some pretty major dividends if the shooting really uh, works out. Yeah. And do you think, again, like you think he would come over immediately or do you think there's Probably a chance of him sticking around. I again, I feel like if he enters, he's likely trying to come over immediately. But yeah, it could go either way. Yeah, I feel that's been the, the trend a little bit more lately too, of like them just being straight ready to come in and again um, develop. You know, maybe go to the G League for a bit and kind of come back up. But coming in at number twenty-three, we have a pick I am very excited about. We got the Denver Nuggets. Mm-hmm. Team has been interesting. And what direction do we see them going in? So I have Denver taking Oregon's Chris Duarte. Um, 
as we know, Jason and I both went to University of Oregon, so we're quite familiar with this player. Jerry, Jerry West Award winner. He was the Jerry West Award winner. He had a fantastic season for Oregon. Um, he improved greatly as a shooter. Had sh shown like quite a bit of promise the year before, but just really improved in terms of efficiency and confidence. Um, he's somebody that can attack closeouts as well. Just kind of one of those like three-level scorers, really good um, – it, the defensive instincts to me are, are what really stand out about him. He has some good length, really plays the passing lanes well, um, has like these chase down blocks and just uh, impressive rotations also. So yeah, he, and then uh, he really improved as a, a passer too, he, which he had kind of done pretty well the year before also. Um, yeah, I, I felt like he was one of the best players in the NCAA this, this season. And uh, I, I just, I know his age is obviously a, a huge concern. He's going to be 24 at the time of the draft, as you hear every single game that he's ever played um, in college. But um, he is somebody that I feel like for the right team. And I, I think Denver could be the right team. Um, come in and give you some really good rotation minutes at the wing. Uh, so yeah, I like Chris Duarte as a, a possible first round pick. Uh, another player who probably has a wide range and will just have to have the right team kind of fall in love with him due to the concerns with his age. Um, and yeah, but I, I feel like, uh, yeah, this could definitely be a, a place where he, um, they, they have quite a bit of interest in him. Yeah, this would be a great situation because yeah, it's a good team where you really probably come off the bench, give, give that energy because he does have defensive versatility I mean, in college, it's more like one through four, probably in the NBA, one through three. Like, yeah. I doubt he'd be guarding, guarding a, a four there. Yeah. But Wings and guards, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, he, like, when he came into Oregon, you know, that was kind of his thing. It was like, he can pretty much guard every position on the floor, you know, in, in college. And then he proved his shot a lot and wish, wish him the best. I think, you know, it's very exciting that he he's a guy that was sort of on the radar, you know, going, going into the season as far as more like second round or just like that would be a good – Good thing for him and then he's really just played played his way into the first round hopefully so it's yeah. pretty cool to see him kind of certainly sit. a possibility yeah yeah he could you know he could be a pretty pretty good early contributor for for a team in, in this in this range of the drafts mm -hmm. so pulling for chris obviously first place on the big board of our hearts but he will be 20 23rd in this mock draft but yeah, had a great, great year, and the Ducks wouldn't have been the same without him. Like, he was definitely someone that was pretty needed, as as was displayed, because didn't he sit out that Oregon State game? Wasn't he out that? No, that one, I think, oh, was, was the Jacob. one where, uh, yeah. He, or what? I think he was Sorry, out. I think it was out Washington State, right? Yeah, he got, like, one game, and I just remember that being like, oh, look how are you going to get the ball across it the court? Was Love, love Chris Duarte. And if you get a chance to, um, the Oregonian, they did an amazing uh, article just kind of about his, his story too, coming from Dominican Republic, going to, go to, go to prep school and just kind of, you know, what that, what that, you know, situation and, you know, just culture change for him was like and going to junior college and just make, making his way, you know, to where he is today. So hopefully that is in the NBA next year. Coming up at number 24, we got the Houston Rockets again, a team that needs a lot of things. Yes. Yes, they do. <laughs> and I feel yeah. like this player is 
probably the most fun mixtape I have seen in, in, a, in, a, in a little while. Yeah, he is somebody who, again, like, I, I think has a pretty wide draft range, some very legitimate concerns, but he is also, like, fantastic at a few things and, like, really rare. Um, and that is Sharif Cooper out of Auburn. He was a freshman. He unfortunately had to deal with some NCAA bullshit early on. Uh, but he would get 12 games in. Yeah. He, and they were fantastic 12. And yeah, uh, yeah. Like he, he did definitely have his ups and downs there and showed some of the, the major concerns, like the fact that he isn't like a fantastic outside shooter, um, had a really high turnover rate. Um, he is small and didn't necessarily always play hard on defense but the things that he did well he did exceptionally well he gets into the paint pretty much at will he's so quick he has a great handle he's a fantastic passer like maybe one of the best passers in the draft if not the best um so yeah he's just somebody who could break down a defense and um then his ability to get to the basket get to the free throw line um you like he is he's not six foot one like that he was listed at Auburn he's likely not even 180 pounds or maybe 165 maybe but um yeah he just does some things at an exceptional level um I know Houston obviously has John Wall I think for the next two years but um yeah like I, I I think that he's certainly a talent that they could look at and um, then, like, at this point of the draft, you're looking for somebody who could just give you that kick off the bench. And uh, that, that may end up being his best role. Um, certainly, like, yeah, you're, you're really hoping that the shooting works out with him. But, um, yeah, and, and he, he was a good free throw shooter also. So that, that's at least somewhat positive. But, yeah, the outside shot and, um, like, his shot off of the bounce and everything like that are, are still things that uh, – you kind of need to worry about, but yeah, as we say with Sharif, like he was one of the most electrifying freshmen this year. Super, super exciting. He has a, um, a way to work himself into an NBA rotation. Yeah, and just like like off the bench tempo, but yeah, 20 points, eight assists, and just fun. <laughs> like, he's definitely going to be like a fan, like wherever he's he gets, he's going to be someone that like fans are going to love. Like, like, he, he's, he, he may struggle with defense, but you're definitely going to struggle guarding him as well. Yeah, like odds are, you know, game seven and in, in the half court, you know, he might not be out there in the last two minutes. But, you know, at those periods of the games that he does play, it's going to be. He could be, give you a real kick. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's it's going to be. And then, yeah, hopefully, again, just growing and, and maturing. But I think coming in into backing up John Wall will be pretty, pretty good opportunity there. Coming up at number 25, we have a team that is, you know, their their record is not what it should be due to some injuries, and that's the Los Angeles Lakers coming at number 25. Higher pick than what they're what LeBron's accustomed to dealing with. Usually he's in that 30 to 29 range. It's usually more LeBron's. Yeah, it depends. Um, yeah. Like, you know, extenuating circumstances, obviously. Yeah. Um, when you don't have your two best players, then yeah, they could be in this range. Um I have the Lakers taking somebody who I just think could be like one of those secondary playmaker types. And that's Jared Butler, who was of course one of the best players in college basketball. 
Um, he is a fantastic ball handler. He can create for himself and others. He was much better at creating for others this year. Uh, felt he was a greatly improved passer. Um, and then he was just uh, good at, at kind of creating those passes to the basket, but also like fantastic shooting. And then the thing he did really, really well this year was um, shooting off the catch. And when you're playing with the Lakers, playing with LeBron James, LeBron always yeah. needs these guys to catch and shoot. Um, that's what they just got Ben McLemore for. Um, so yeah, Jared Butler is somebody who I feel um, still, I don't know. I, I'm kind of like a little surprised at people that feel there's like a huge range between Butler and uh, Davion Mitchell. And I, I, I'm still kind of like a, maybe team Jared Butler. But um, yeah, I, I feel like they're, they're certainly close as prospects. Like I, I think Butler's a, a pretty good defender as well. Um, definitely not the same kind of like explosive blow by athlete, but he does a lot of things really well. And um, yeah, like there was a reason he was a unanimous first team All-American this year. And tournament, tournament player, player of the year. But yeah, like not a, the thing is like, you can, you know, kind of be in his situation of like not being a true point guard. And and playing playing you know with a with someone like LeBron because yeah again it's just like spread the court LeBron's gonna have the ball in his hands be ready to hit those shots and they always they always you know LeBron and his teams they always kind of bring like a good rotation of just kind of like random role players like right now you have Caruso every once in a while Taylor Horton Tucker so you know opportunities can can definitely definitely be there well, one last thing with Jared Butler is he's a year younger than uh, Davion Mitchell as well. Don't you? Well, well, he didn't have to sit out the year. Like he was able to yeah, transfer. Yeah, Davion had to sit out because of his transfer. But they were both, yeah. both juniors and both led. You know, a very, a very stout and solid backcourt. One of the best college bas- backcourts in a while. Like just in terms of individual success and team success. Thank you. Yeah. And then number twenty six. We are staying in Los Angeles, across the hallway. The Los Angeles Clippers. Yeah. So, uh, I guess they'll, they'll move into their own place soon enough. But, um, yeah, jo- I have them taking Josh Christopher. Um, it was kind of, you know, obviously Arizona State, the year itself was just kind of a bummer. Um, but, yeah, I, I still think that Josh Christopher is somebody that NBA teams at least kind of like. Um, he's somebody with, like, even in high school who had this, like, already, like, NBA-ready body. Um, so, like, he's physically ready for the NBA just in terms of like decision-making things like that. You still need some work. Um, you know, you still really hope uh, that it, the shooting all comes together, but w- what he does really well is he can um, create a bit off the bounce and he is fantastic. Just like in a kind of like running gun situation, really good in transition Um just I, I think a guy who's going to be a bucket getter um, and he, he, I think he has some defensive potential as well like he just throughout high school was always like this fantastic scorer and um, I just seem to do well like in EYBL competition uh, whenever USA basketball played he was fantastic there also um, so yeah, I, I still feel like Josh Christopher is somebody who's going to get some first round looks 
and um, is somebody that could be that nice uh, scoring kickoff on the bench. Yeah, the Clippers, and I think, you know, not having Lou Will anymore. So, yeah, definitely need to keep establishing that identity. There, number 27, we got the 76ers. 76ers, I have them taking another, like, kind of rangy athlete in Greg Brown III. Um, I, to me, he still has, like, a pretty enormous draft range as well. Uh, I just, um, I, I, like, I wasn't blown away with him as a college player this year. Uh, I just, like, his role just seemed to be, like, for as much as people talk about his, like, he is an absurd vertical athlete. And when we did the slam dunk special, I said he's, like, he would be my favorite in an NBA slam dunk competition. I just think he's a great competition dunker. It seems like in games, he wasn't necessarily doing those same things, uh, wasn't necessarily using his athleticism as functionally as you might have hoped. But he, he does use it in a couple of ways. He had a great rebound rate, a great block rate. Um, like, a, I think he was like a legitimately good defender at times. Um, and then the, the other thing was just he did take a ton of three-pointers, shot them at 33%. So, like, he did indeed show a few things. I just think in terms of like his ball skills and passing, we mentioned the um, assist to turnover disparity. Yeah, there like is two, like two, enormous. two and a half turnovers a game with uh, less than one assist. Like yeah. Four assists a game. So yeah, that's a little, little concerning. Yeah. And also like the, the strange thing, and I am not taking this as like a character thing at all, but there was a weird thing at the end of the year where Shaka Smart like kind of stopped playing him. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure teams are going to ask about that. Um, it still may not really like I, – and I didn't really take this as something that affects his draft stock very much. Um, but, yeah, I, I, like I feel like he might be in this late first-round range. And uh, you just kind of wonder what he exactly does offensively. It, like, do you – if he can shoot in the NBA at 33% and play good defense. That That's still a pretty good four man. Um, but yeah, like he, he's not necessarily like the strongest guy. Um, there, there was like a weird thing where like, he like missed a ton of dunks, which is very strange. And um, like, it, it was obviously like a kind of a weird situation playing with like guys like Jericho Sims and Kai Jones, both of whom had like, I think, three to four times as many dunks as Greg Brown did this year. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like the, the um, like few amazing flashes of a, his athleticism don't necessarily tell the, the entire story of how functional it is. Um, so, yeah, I, I just wanted to, to point that out. But I do still feel like he's a likely first-round prospect. Um, but he, he, I think there, there could be a range and there could be a chance that he falls out of the first round altogether. And yeah, he had high momentum earlier in the year as far as draft stock kind of went. But then yeah, Kai Jones kind of overtook him as a as a prospect. So we will see how he tests. But I'm sure he's gonna, at least in the vertical department, he's gonna probably test pretty well. So it'll be pretty interesting to see if people like the potential there athletically. Coming in at number 28, we got the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets. Steve Nash is 
getting to make a draft pick. Yeah, and I have them taking um, somebody that I, I think can play a little bit of point guard, but is probably best next to a primary initiator, um, somebody who brings a little defensive versatility, and that is Miles Deuce McBride out of West Virginia. I thought he looked he, – he certainly improved his confidence as a shooter this year. Um, he is a fantastic transition defender. I believe he has a six foot eight wingspan. He's about six foot two or so. And he is somebody that I think just immediately does some really good things at the point of attack. And, um, just, yeah, like the nets, if there's one thing they do need to worry a little bit about, it is the defensive end. And, um, while most of that does start in the interior, it certainly helps, up front as well. And Miles McBride could be somebody off the bench who, who does some really good things there. Um, yeah, you worry about him a little bit in terms of decision-making and uh, you wonder how real the shooting is. Um, but yeah, he uh, is, is somebody that I think is going to get like late first round looks and um, is like one of those players who could potentially be a, a really impactful first line of defense player and bring some things on offense as well with his, his shooting. And, uh, you know, just that, I, I think he's a really good athlete also. I think definitely took a big leap between obviously freshman and, and sophomore year at West Virginia there. So should be interesting to see what direction yeah Brooklyn, Brooklyn goes. Cause it'd be interesting to see who they bring back or who they keep. I mean, there's such a, they're going to be so like kind of cap tied in some situations by just having all these, you know, high profile, guys so obviously the the draft is kind of important for them building their bench out oh definitely and then coming in at number 29 we have a team that is barely missed the playoffs last year they went undefeated in the bubble they actually carried that they paid that momentum they carried it forward obviously they make a trade for chris paul we got the phoenix suns coming in at number 29 yeah and I have Phoenix taking Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Um, he's somebody that I, I know for the most part people have slipping to the second round. I still feel like he, he could be somebody that Phoenix really likes. And I know they're kind of looking for that like foreman of the future. Not sure it's JRE, but I, I'm guessing he can provide at least a, a, a few good things. Um, obviously he's somebody that can stretch the floor a little bit, uh, great passer. I just have always liked just his acumen on, on both ends of the floor. I, I think he has some legitimate ball skills, uh, does some, some really nice things at, at six foot nine. And then, um, I have always liked, uh, his defensive instincts and I just see him being like that, that smart player, uh, who could potentially be like a, a role guy. And he's one of my like late round kind of favorites. Uh, if you're finding him in the second round, I think he could be a quite a good flyer. And we know that Phoenix has gone with somebody that they really liked these past few years. And I could see him being a, a possibility with that. Yeah, I think it's a good like it's a good energy match for for like what Phoenix might need off the bench. Yeah, as far as that kind of skill set. So yeah, like they're having a, a good year and it'll be. Interesting to see, you know, if they keep that going next year. And then the team picking number 30 is having a really great year. And, like, 
they were good last year. They, they, they're always, you know, been pretty consistently good. But right now, Utah Jazz are clicking at a very, very high level, leading the Western Conference by, I think they're up like three games right now, as far as first place is concerned, maybe a little bit more. They've been pretty awesome. So closing out the first round, who's that last guy coming home with a guaranteed contract? I have the Utah Jazz, who are two and a half games up on Phoenix. Um, I have them taking Brandon Boston Jr., BJ Boston, out of Kentucky. I think that BJ Boston is another player who just will have that crazy wide draft range, was considered a possible lottery pick. Some people felt he might go even as high as number two to begin the year, had done some really great things in the EYBL, uh, playing with Sharif Cooper for AOT. Um, just is one of those like six foot seven guys with close to a seven foot wingspan. Uh, he, well, yeah, maybe six foot seven, six foot six, let's say. Um, but yeah, he uh, definitely lacked functional strength. Wasn't quite the passer you thought, wasn't quite the defender you thought. But he has that ball handling ability. He has some of the, the body control as a finisher. I don't think the shooting is necessarily like something that is going to was going to stay as bad as the like minimal sample size he had in Kentucky showed. Um, but he's somebody that if if you you kind of build with him, he has this skill set and um, this like even like the like glimmers of functional athleticism and scoring ability that um, I, I think could make him a, a really nice player. So yeah, like you, you kind of wonder why Zaire Williams hasn't necessarily uh, been hit as much as, as BJ Boston. And uh, maybe it was because like, you know, they kind of gave Zaire more of a pass because of uh, his injuries and, and things along those lines. But yeah, I still think Brendan Boston is, is somebody that teams should really pay attention to. I'm, I'm sure he's he's still on the radar um, for like being quite a bit higher than this as well. But, yeah, um, number yeah. four in the RSCI, so kind of coming out of high school. So obviously there's, yeah. you know, some people that have thought you know super highly of him. But yeah, I think like strength shooting, like those are kind of, kind of the concerns there. But definitely probably worth a you know. A, a good look, especially for a team like Utah, that's not really looking to fill a hole, just looking to, you know, have another player on their, their roster. But as far as the first round goes, that's, that's 30 guys, boom, you know, still some decent value out there in the, in the second round, just taking, you know, an, an early kind of scan at it as far as, you know, guys that still, you know, still are on the board. I mean, Ayudisumu, he has got, you know, he signed with an agent, so he is, He's gone, you know, you could have even, I don't know, like Drew Timmy was pretty, pretty solid. I think the way he was playing in the tournament, if he decides to come out. Yeah. I, I seriously thought about um, putting Joel Ayayi in there as well. He, he's somebody that I think could get some end of first round looks. Um, a player that I really like, and I, I'm still not sure what he's doing, which is why I left him out as uh, Benedict Matherin out of uh, Arizona. He is originally from Montreal, but he had a really great freshman year, um, shows some fantastic shooting indicators, finished really well around the basket. 
Um, so yeah, he, he would be somebody that I would look for at the end of uh, the, or possibly even like mid end of the first round. Um, and yeah, like um, I, I know obviously like Cam Thomas is, is seen as somebody that uh, is going to give you instant offense and is it like a, a bigger guard who you could maybe work on some of the other things with. Um, if you go to rookiescale.com, which is, uh, was started by a friend of the program, John Chepkevich. He has a, some fantastic draft resources. He has an early entry board, um, a great interview he did with Josh Giddy. And then the really cool thing is he has his consensus big board for everybody to see. He updates it daily. So yeah, I want to shout out John for starting rookiescale.com. It should be just a, a fantastic draft resource. And um, of course, shout out to Perspective Insight. We're doing a, a lot of great things there. Um, Anish Namburi just had a, um, a Jalen Green profile that went up on Perspective Insight Pulse. And uh, a lot of great interviews have come out lately. Um, recently one with Dylan Mitchell, and uh, who's a 2022 prospect, and Caden Perry, who was a Nike Hoop Nike Hoop Summit USA selection, and will be playing for Gonzaga next year. Um, so yeah, just a couple things that I wanted to shout out there. And um, yeah, as far as like other players, there are pretty high on John's big board that I thought about. Um, Terrence Shannon Jr., who is an intriguing wing from Texas Tech. Daron Sharp, who I, I think is, is likely gone from North Carolina. I think he announced he was entering the draft and um, is an intriguing center prospect because of his uh, passing. And, uh, you know, I, yeah, like, uh, oh, David Johnson is a, another player that I, I think could possibly get some looks. And um, Marcus Bagley, obviously, just in Marcus Bagley's been, yeah. Been on. So, yeah, a lot of players uh, announcing, a lot of draft things happening, and we are going to try and stay as up-to-date as possible, and I am sure that there will be numerous changes on our next mock draft, but yeah, we uh, just wanted to keep you up-to-date and give you this new mock draft. We hope that you like the lottery. We hope that you like 15 through 30. We hope that you learned a little bit about some of these players. Um, and you enjoy these breakdowns. So yeah, if you could leave a like, a comment, subscribe, we're really happy with our new subscribers and, um, you know, just uh, the response to our videos and our podcasts. So um, also please review, that really helps us a lot. That just gets us in front of uh, more eyes and ears. So yeah, that would just be a, a huge thing for us. So um Lastly, Jason, what do you think of uh, One Shiny Moment? I know you, that was the, the that's your mo moment of the tournament for you. So for me, One Shining Moment usually is my One Shining Moment of the tournament. I, I really enjoy that piece, but this year was, was rather disappointing. I think, uh, I think it was just a lack of fans, man. Yeah, yeah maybe that like. That reaction I, I think is so yeah. huge. That, that, I think that that's really what was missing. They obviously they had Oscar Frere who had that yeah, tragic um, accident in the Grand yeah. Canyon, um, and some you know like the great highlight shots and plays. Well, they had that they had that Evan, um, that Evan Mobley dunk on Frank Kepnon 
from Oregon, which I thought was in very poor taste because that was a very disrespectful dunk. Frank didn't Frank didn't know that he was going to go up like that. Like he, not the Jalen Sugg shot, I think, is uh, that that was the moment of the tournament. I, I feel like that. I, I feel like that outshined the Evan Mobley dunk. That was a pretty yeah, Evan Mobley dunk was huge. That was a pretty nasty dunk. Yeah, I thought I thought Suggs because yeah, that that combination of like that Juzang like missing, getting the rebound, like getting it, and you're like, oh hell, hell yeah, UCLA is gonna take it to double overtime, and then Jalen Suggs just like just the emotion of Jalen Suggs in those games, man. He yeah, uh, yeah. He, he's yeah. he's somebody that wears his heart on his sleeve. Hopefully next year we can see a much better one shining moment. But you know, fans in the stands. Let's you know what I did like this year, though, that they did do is they did like a one shining oh, moment cool. montage of like the best one shining moment clips of like 30 years. So it was like one version, but it, was, it had like clips from like a bunch of different years. They randomly like they, they, they randomly jumped around a little like it had like a little Texas Western, but it had a lot of like the good, you know, kind of clips you've seen from like the 90s, 2000s. So, yeah. Did it have a. Yeah. So it was only the last three years. They just made sure it wasn't during Oregon's championship run. Is that, yeah, is that no, no, no video footage of the tall furs on, on that one, but God, yeah. man. so for those that don't know, I just want to throw this out there. The tall furs were like six foot eight and like a couple six, four guys. Yeah. And that was what was considered tall back then. In one of them actually, in my, in my days at university of Oregon, in my season ticket, I, I was a couple of rows behind Admiral John Dick, who was one of the, the leaders of the, the team in 1939 and then he sat in front of me at a track meet and that was like not the coolest because he's what's he lived up to his name right yeah he was a tall fur <laughs> he was a tall fur he was like he was tall a tall fur for jason weisenberg yeah it's all like looking around i'm like oh i can't can't see a thing but like damn tall fur <laughs> but yeah i feel like my favorite thing about about that championship is it's very easy to find in the history book you don't have to look too far you just go straight straight to the top they housed people to get there, by the way. It was only three games, but three housings. Yeah. No, it was, it was, a, it was a solid, you know, but yeah, no, no footage from, from that era. But yeah, it was like, you know, they had like, they threw in like the, you know, the magic bird moment and like, they threw in a couple, like mostly, like mostly like- oh, That's 30 years, like that's way more than 30 years ago. There's a little bit, but like, those were like only like the two moments they threw in like, Oh, okay. It's like Texas West. Oh, it's like 30 years and like the good shit. <laughs> yeah, and like a couple like because I don't even think there's any like Kareem, like Lou Alcindor, like Kareem or Bill Walton, like UCLA stuff. It was just like Texas, oh. Texas Western, Bird Magic, and then like the clips you've seen from like the, you know. Yeah, why the cool Pac-12 stuff when you can you know, just do Bird Magic? That's, that's very true. Well, there is going to be a show actually on that we'll probably discuss closer to time, but yeah, HBO is doing a, like a 1980s Lakers show. I saw, and John C. Riley is tall as hell. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if Jerry Buss was like six foot five, but I, I think John C. is like somewhere in that neighborhood. And it will be weird if Jerry Buss is taller than Magic Johnson. I, I'm just hoping they do something. That's a former, former Cal Center is playing Kareem. Yeah, that's awesome. And so like, because yeah, that's the hardest part of casting a show like that. Cause it's like, you think- yeah. A general Hollywood. How tall is Bo Burnham, man? Like he, he's pretty tall, right? I've seen him at the improv. Yeah, he's like six, six, six. Like he's he's legitimate. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, tall enough for Larry Bird, but yet, but generally, like the average actor is usually between about five foot four to five foot seven range. Usually. Not for this series. This so yeah, like, all like, series. It's like you're like, how are you gonna get like a Magic Johnson, Emma Kerr, and Abdul Jabbar? I'm like, 
yeah well, it, it, it's gonna be interesting i i'm i'll definitely tune in yeah. We will, yeah we will keep you up to date as we get closer to that um also Space Jam, uh is it new legacy or Jam new legacy trailer also yeah. came out and that is um i'm just happy yeah. i'm happy it's on the legacy I'm, I'm happy it's on HBO Max, so I don't have to go to a theater to see it. I can watch it in my home. But you know what? For your kiddo. They featured Dame in the trailer, so I was cool with that. I a little, I missed it. <laughs> no, it's because he's on the Goon Squad, which I was a little sad about because I thought he was going to be oh, like, damn. Yeah, like, okay. But yeah, like yeah. it's um it's Anthony Davis, Dame, Clay Thompson. Isn't Diana Tarazi? Tarazi, and yeah. then I forget who else like maybe. Kawhi. I, I don't know who the other one was, but yeah, like that's, that's the thing. But you know what? Yeah, it's, okay. So they're like robots. And yeah, it's, it's been like, like 15, Okay. It's been like 15 years in the making for this movie. So happy it's finally, finally coming somewhere. Let's make it up. Well, it's funny because I think Nike already sold a bunch of the stuff for it, like when it was supposed to come out like a year ago. So they already, yeah. So it it'll just, be fun. You find some merch. Yeah. Totally. Bring, totally. bring back some memories. Uh, some new content for for kiddos, um, yeah. But um, I, yeah, obviously we we dragged on here just talking about some <laughs> hey, that's stuff. like that's the that's the culture of that's the culture of the game. And culture, very very important part. But yeah, college is behind us. But we got draft and we got the transfer portal is going to go crazy. Oh so, man, you know that's going to really reshape what college basketball teams are going to look like next year. So obviously more to come on that. Plus late signing period coming up soon as well for basketball college basketball but yeah nba playoffs are further than they normally would be because usually like this time of the year we're like right there but they're coming up pretty pretty soon enough so a lot more action to come as well but thank you guys so much again for checking us out subscribing like review if you want to follow us both you're like hey i love this two-in-one shot at viseland on twitter you could also email us at viselandpod at gmail.com if you want to follow me specifically, I'm at Jay Weisenberg, anywhere you can get a social media. If you want to follow this man, Michael Weisenberg, on Twitter, that's at NBA Draft Mikey V. Give him a follow because, again, a lot of content we're, we're putting out here, and we hope you guys enjoy it, and we will see you all next week. Take care.